It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Bent with their views as we deploy Operation RetroShock. gentlemen and welcome to episode 35 of Operation Retroshock. I am your host, Alan Price, and alongside me is my compadre... Not Mike Lacey. Yes, I had to give in and uh, let Chris come back. Like, hi, I'm Mike Lacey. And she's like, oh really? You've got one more chance, Chris. He's got one more chance? He's coming on, like, later on in the year to talk about Secret of the Sword. And I'll go on holiday that week, so. No, you'll be asking questions, you'll be uh, question master. The quiz master, something like that, but. There we go. You'll be wearing a t shirt with a question mark, like the Riddler. The Riddler? Yes, that'd be good. Of course, we did a Batman special many moons ago. Episode something. It was like last Halloween. It's nearly Halloween again. Well, not nearly, but, you know, a couple of months. It's nearly there. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to another rapidly produced Operation Retroshock for. <laughs> Your good selves, yes, it is another week between shows. We're being so generous at the minute, it's unbelievable. We're just bored, we just need something to occupy our time, that's why we're doing this. Uh, not really, we are doing things, but it is just so happened that we have so much stuff going on and we want to get it out as quick as possible, so we hope you're enjoying it, and especially the interview that occurred last week. It feels weird saying last week, like <laughs> yeah. it's properly really, really well, um, but... This episode is going to be, surprise, surprise, there's a little, you know, movie came out there in the last week or so, and that would be called Transformers. So, this episode is indeed dedicated to those robots that change around, turn into cars, turn into spaceships, turn into guns, and all that sort of thing. So, I shall let you know what specifically we are going to talk about first part of the show is going to be dedicated specifically to, obviously, the thing that started it all, not only the toys, but the animation series. Um, then we are going to have an interview with the man that did the music for the animated movie, that is Stan Bush. And then when we come back from that, we are going to discuss the live-action movies. So it should be a good fun week. I'd like to say that, you know, there's a lot of people that I follow on Twitter who are Transformers, um, like, they know every ins and outs of it. Yeah. We're not that knowledgeable. This is going to be like, you know, whenever we're talking about Star Wars and stuff, we're just going to talk about what we enjoyed, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So, don't flame us, don't troll us, you know, that kind of stuff. I just entertainment and you know like as we said we've got an interview with Stabish um, so you know you'd be able to hear from him and stuff indeed so we will go to the break and we shall come right back and talk about Transformers the animation the robots in disguise I hope they're not in disguise because we need to talk about them okay see you in a few bye <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm James without Jesse, but still prepare for trouble. Make it double with Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Team Rocket. Oh, I mean Operation Retroshock. I'm blasting off again! Are you a fan of Mattel's Masters of the Universe toy line? How about Princess of Power, New Adventures of He-Man, or 2000X Masters of the Universe? Hey guys, I'm Pixel Dan, and my new show, Power and Honor, the world of Masters of the Universe toys, takes a look at all of the above-mentioned lines. In every episode, I'll take a look at a different action figure, vehicle, or playset from the world of He-Man. It's a great place where you can reminisce about your favorite toys from the past or even learn some things that you may not have already known. A new episode airs bi-weekly on He-Man.org and PopCultureNetwork.com. Swing by and check it out. Good journey. And welcome back from the break. We hope you enjoyed the lovely music there. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I didn't know it was music. It's probably going You're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to head on over the site at www.popculturenetwork.com, etc. You know that too well. <laughs> I've put it in so many times in the podcast. That's why. Like it's nice that Dan sent me the par and the honor one, which is like, whoo, one that I don't know. Put this in, which actually has the background music, the new adventures He-Man intro. You learn something new every day. And by tomorrow, you'll have forgotten it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we shall kick this shindig off uh, with mentioning, of course, as I had just said there, uh, specifically the music. Um, obviously, the start of the program is very memorable because. Not only do we get the likes of the noises, the Transformers noise, but the music just kicks it off right. Does it not, Christopher? It does. With the f- obviously, there was four different series, and the first series ha- probably, for me, had the best music, followed by the second one. Third music was just horrible. It just sounds like somebody's getting castrated or something. Yeah, it's just, and you're like, okay. Um, but yeah, it's just like... The you know seeing Optimus Prime running around with his gun and then uh, Megatron and you know seeing like Megatron. jazz and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those iconic themes that um, still gets used in a lot of people's phones for ringtones and Definitely. all that kind of stuff. It is. I don't even know if I have it on my phone. I need to check. See, that's so hypocritical, Chris. If you don't have it on your phone now, but uh, you kind of go through we fad periods if you change your ringtone styles and all that sort of stuff so there was a period of time where you'd have had that because yeah, I remember you did have it was probably about a year ago you had TV show themes so yeah well everyone now has got um, Nintendo themes because Chris has went on a Nintendo freak out as no doubt you have heard in the last couple of episodes freak out <laughs> but yeah um, the music really does stop humming you're flipping th- uh, you're flicking through your iPhone <laughs> leave it be what well, yeah Oh no, that's not wrong. No, that's oh, you just did that on purpose. I got that. I got that Transformers theme. 
Which is from the 1986 movie. I've actually got it twice. Right, um, yeah, you, you kind of need to stop. Shut up! Stop! Thanks. Quiet now? Yeah. Okay. As a kid, for me, when I watched this show, obviously I caught it a wee bit later than everybody else. Because, yes, I'm the baby. Uh, He's a baby! I always used to love it when that music came on, because it was just like, I'm going to get to see some crazy stuff that is just... I know it's a wee bit analytical, but I didn't think this as a child. I'm thinking of it as an adult at this moment. But all these, you know, like, that's a fire truck, or that's a car, or that's a jet plane, and they transform, and they are then robots, which actually can talk to humans and all that sort of stuff. And it just kind of stands out to you that, like, the music just kicks it off, the theme of it, perfectly. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> obviously... It's geared up for kids, and Hasbro are wanting you to buy their toys and all sorts of So if you get the kids excited with the opening music, you're going to have their attention for the next 20 or <coughs> Yeah, which you, you kind of have to do with um, children, you know, to try and get their attention. Like, look at me! <laughs> yeah, look at me and listen to music. And be like, dee dee dee, and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it is something that... It is something like the, you know, the music that uh, Stan Bush talks about later on. Um, you know, the music that um, stays with us, you know, because that stays with us. And then obviously the music that he did on, mm-hmm. you know, the live action movie or the animated movie and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, <coughs> of course, we cannot continue if we do not indeed mention the voice actors. Of course, the primary one being... The prime airy one, ha! Ha, 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 very good. Is, of course, Peter Cullen, who was, of course, most famously remembered for voicing... Soundwave. No. Bumblebee. No. Uh, Spike. No. Okay. Optimus Prime. Of course, as we all know, he continued on and is indeed... To this very day, still voicing the character of Optimus Prime in the even the most recent live-action movie. Yes, and also in Transformers Prime, it's called, which is kind of it's kind of like um, a CGI, but it's for me, it's horrible looking. It's mm-hmm. absolutely dreadful. A lot of people um, watch it and said that you know certain stories are pretty rubbish and stuff, um, but. The Rock actually did uh, the voice for Cliff Jumper, mm-hmm. but I don't think uh, Cliff Jumper. He got killed off pretty quickly, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Sadly, so. So I just downloaded something on my phone to share with you. Hold it closer. I know, well, I need to wait until it gets to a certain point. Look yeah, at he, always, he always springs this on everybody. So I'll continue talking until he rudely interrupts here. Okay. Um, Peter Cullen has such an amazing voice. Obviously, he's not, you know, specifically, you know, worked for Transformers and that sort of stuff. He's done many, many other things, which Chris could probably reel off like twenty million to I think. Away. I think he did the voice for. Well, he did the voice um, in the. Hold on a minute. Right, this is Ironhide. I'm going to try and transform on my iPhone. Right. right so I wanted the action figure, and hold on. If I want to go back. Stuff. See? That's pretty awesome. 
and you can get them to change in different ways and stuff. So yeah, I just wanted to know that. Very um, apt that you chose Ironhide. Yeah. Well, we'll speak about that later. Um, yeah. So um, Peter Cullen actually did the voice um, overs in the Master of the Universe, um, the original uh, figures. Actually did that. Um, I think I'm pretty sure he did the voice for Venger in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, obviously, he didn't do the voice for Shredder because that was Uncle Phil. Yes. But yes, he's a very popular voice actor and stuff, and um, somebody I would love to talk to. Never say never, because we did we did say this during. Uh, uh, the breaks of our talk with uh, Eric Stewart. It would be pretty cool to this time next year indeed be interviewing Peter Cullen um, because at the minute it's looking like that's the Transformers live action movie he's done for now so he maybe wouldn't be as busy as he normally would. I'm sure he has many many options open to him but he won't be as busy as he would with the live action movie. He actually did. He did Brave Star. He did Ducktales. Actually, he did. Huh. He did the real Ghostbusters. Oh. Um. He. Oh, I have a funny feeling. He, he did, did do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was the voice of Smash Mugger and Napoleon. Huh. Uh, he did Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, Tom and Jerry Kids. Tons here, like. And he did the voice. Of, oh, I forgot about that. I should have remembered that because I watched that when it came back. Um. You know the Resurrect. The Knight Rider thing? Yeah. That was out in 2009. Why did he do the voice for Car? He did the voice of Car. So it was kind of weird. It was like here in a slightly... How much did you say you got that series for once? Was it like five quid? I got it for five quid. <laughs> I saw the HMV the other day for 35 quid. That's Well, that's HMV for you. That's why they're going out of business. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's true. Don't call, don't call me, like, vicious or anything like that, but... What do you expect when you can go on... Minor rant happening. Um, when you can go on, for example, a reputable online uh, UK retailer based in the Guernsey Island... Play.com. Uh, Play.com. Where you could pick up, and I'll just pick out the hat all randomly, the latest series of Doctor Who on Blu-ray for £35. Normally that would retail in shops to buy me. 65 to 70, and HMV are selling it for 80. Right. You're really going to sell those. I'm just saying. But, moving on from Peter Cullen, we move on next, and we mention a certain character called Megatron. And specifically, of course, the fact that in between the animation and the live-action movies, the voice actor was not used Frank Welker for the live action movie yeah well because he, he, was he was used in the third one yes. but he wasn't used for the voice of Megatron because yes. that was Hugo Weaving the guy who played Mr. Mr. Anderson yeah and was also in Lord of not the Rings not the character Mr. Anderson but that's just his famous line yeah um, but yeah it's kind of it was good that he finally got eventually used in the third live action movie again we'll talk about that later but what do you think he was the right mix for him as Megatron and then Peter Cullen as Optimus? Did they? Do you think the voices kind of synced as this is evil, this is good? I think it, yeah, I think it's very much similar to say that you know with the majority of um, 
cartoons and stuff, you have to have that right balance. You know, John Ir- Irwin as He-Man and Alan Oppenheimer as Skeletor mm-hmm. was a good balance. Even whenever you had the likes of, say, I think it was Terry Scott and David Jason in Danger Mouse, mm-hmm. they played well off each other, you know. Um, but I think, I think whenever you think of Peter Cullen's voice, you, I always think of, like, that James Earl Jones, you know, the very... It's very low, s- sober. It's yeah, somber. Somber, somber yeah. even, yeah. yeah. Sober. Um, what? Yeah, like, uh, I haven't had a drink for days. Um, <laughs> don't drink and drive, Optimus. Um... <laughs> But it's a case of, you know, like, it is very... I would say that even though Megatron's voice was very... Um, was very good, I think that another character eclipsed him in the in the voice sticks. And who would that be in your opinion? Soundwave. Soundwave? Yeah. Well, you're always a fan of Soundwave. Soundwave's so. awesome, so he is. I didn't really like him in the second film. The third film was okay, but he shouldn't really be a car... Yeah, you should be a cassette player, but it's kind of, it's again... Should be an iPod it's, then? Yeah, it's again kind of hard to explain it to kids like he used to be a cassette player, so they have to come up with something and then just use the name. Um, but yeah, I would say that Soundwave had the better voice than the villains, but Optimus would certainly have the best um, voice for the Autobots. Cool. So, favourite Autobot? <laughs> you see, I it's, do... It's kind of hard, I know, it's kind of hard. Um, I would probably say Optimus, really. See, it's yeah. the, it's the same for me for Optimus, like so it is. But it's when it comes to least favorite, it's a wee bit, you know, I kind of can't decide. Gears, I don't like. Right. Gears is like a wee small one, and he's just like very, he's very um, he's not like you know the Autobots are all like, oh we're friends, you know, blah blah. Whereas Gears seem to be like the sarcastic one in the group. Mm. For some reason, I didn't like. Well, I can clearly pick my favorite and least favorite Decepticon. I loved Megatron, and I absolutely hate Starscream. No, I would no, I would say that it'd be Soundwave followed very closely by Starscream. Um, I did. We watched some of Gen One a while ago, and every time Starscream came on the screen he was like a whiny wee bird. that's his point that's the point of it it's just yeah. like you know he's like he's like a wee tough guy that um, <laughs> you know a bit like oh Megatron I wouldn't have done that and then the plan falls and like Megatron is dead and then Starscream would go like Megatron is dead I am your <laughs> leader I didn't like Shockwave Shockwave for me was I didn't like Shockwave, and I didn't like, um, I think it was Thundercracker. I That's like. a name and a half. Yeah. But my favourite Dinobot would definitely be Grimlock. Yeah, well, I, I, I worked this out in the time I know you, considering you love doing the whole me Grimlock. Yeah, where she just sound like wind, if you're totally honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, of course, obviously the toy line, much like Masters of the Universe, was a huge hit. Woohoo! Yeah! Uh, with the animation show, of course, obviously. What did you like the most out of the toy line? Obviously, I know you have quite a few Transformers in here. Not all Gen 1, obviously. Some modern, some not. But, of course, obviously, again, you have the little lovely cassette player and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I always, whenever I was a kid, I always wanted Optimus Prime. Uh, you know, with the trailer and everything. I always wanted that. And, um... 
Santa. Santa couldn't get me one. Oh no, Santa! Um, why? So Santa sent the letter. Um, I'm covering this up here, Debs. Um, Santa sent my mum and dad a letter to see if they could try and help. Um, but um, they couldn't. They couldn't get him. So um, Santa was most apologetic. He was, he went like, I'm terribly sorry, and I was just like, oh, I'm out of prime. You broke my heart. Just like, I'm going to shave your beard off. <laughs> um, but I never, Dom White, who was the guy who showed us around London whenever I went to the Doctor okay. Experience, um, he sent me an Optimus, but he was missing a fist, and um, he was pretty beat up. You know, it looked like Optimus in near enough the second film whenever he gets um a wee bit beat up. <laughs> yeah, by like three Decepticons, but that's kinda what he looked like. But I appreciated the gesture, but I've always wanted to get you still technically say you have a Gen one Optimus. <laughs> yeah, but I would still love to get you know, have you ever seen like the masterpiece statues? Mm. I would love to get one of Optimus and Grimlock. Ooh. So there's ideas for Christmas for me, folks, <laughs> in case you want to spend, like, about 60 or 70 quid. I was about to say there, how much are they? Like, 30 quid? No, 60 quid. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Come again. If if I had been around as a kid when the animation was going on and they were really pushing the toys, I would have so wanted it. I know that for a fact. If they were to... And I know they've done it with some things. Obviously, again, kind of like you have your Masters of the Universe classics line now. That's them trying to capture sort of in modern form what you had it with the original stuff yeah but also obviously you know trying to keep it a wee bit more modern you know maybe taking some things that were in the 2002 stuff but yeah. not as much as you would no want. alan hyper anime is dead exactly but they've got, but all they got always have the characteristics and stuff. like i've i obviously see the likes of your older figures in here and you yeah, know like see, see them in comparison to the likes of your he-man or whatever yeah so you can, tell like the, your left, you, you can tell you can tell the silent fact like the hair the main stuff off it is so similar it's fantastic so if they were to do something like that for Transformers on a subscription basis I would have pro- I would probably be extremely tempted yeah. you know to collect them because they do look so good um, but to stop just there I want to raise a point of a certain individual that our listeners will indeed know the name of and that <laughs> man is of course Mr. Jamie McCrory Hi Jimmy I have photographic evidence of this by the way and we may actually have to put that up somehow. <gasps> Alan, find. that has to go in the logo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see. I'm, I'm good with I'm good with Photoshop, but I'll see. Um, basically, everybody, Mr. Jamie McCrory. One time we were all hanging out on a Saturday night. Chris decided, hmm, what will we do? While I was playing something else with Chris and. Jamie was like sitting there and just like mm, I'm not sure what I'm doing blah, blah, blah. so Chris got him a Transformer specifically Bumblebee, Bumblebee. yeah and where's from he the hiding? Transformers Bumblebee's hiding? Bumblebee's hiding I don't know from the Transformers anymore. animated line yep from the animated line and we passed it over to Jamie and we continued playing away and needless to say about an hour and 15 odd minutes later um, and I, I went you know you've been at that for over an hour he thought he'd only been going out for about 10 minutes. Yeah. That's how to be honest, he though, I did find the instructions, and even then I couldn't transform them. I, I could understand what I had to do, but it wasn't happening. So I got, like, Starscream, and I went, oh, okay. And I went, caught Grimlock, oh, okay, I can do them. But That's Bumblebee right. was like... Bumblebee <laughs> was just like, Bumblebee should just hide. Oh, dear. So, Christopher... Yes? 
What was your favorite vehicle? Huh? What was your favorite vehicle form that the Transformers had? Oh. Did you like Bumblebee's Beetle? No. Why not? Sort of like rubbish. Did you like jeepings? <laughs> like a jeep? Army jeeps? No? Um, I liked... I actually liked um, Hot Rod and... Well, Rodimus Prime, whatever the heck. Rodimus. In the 86 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, I did like Jazz. Mm. Jazz was the Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. Porsche. Um, I did like him because I thought he was kind of cool. The Porsche was pretty sweet. And... Uh, who's the other one? Oh, there's one where for... Um, oh, he's like a blue car and a wee guy comes out and some people are trying to steal his wheels. Right. And I can't remember his name. I don't know if it was Blur or Mirage. I, don't I was know. about to say Mirage. Let me see. I shall find out. A blue transformer. <laughs> see, was there a particular one of the Decepticons you preferred? Obviously, I know they were mainly like jets and all that sort of a thing. Um, sound, well, Soundwave, yeah, <laughs> but for me, like, Megatron was obviously the most powerful one there, but then he transformed in the gun, but then he would need one of the Decepticons to fire him. Yeah. You know, so, but I did like, uh, I did like, um, the cassettes that uh, Soundwave oh, had, yeah, yeah. you know, like Laserbeak and, um, Ravage and stuff I did think they were pretty cool and they were utilised well and obviously we see them in the live action film as well okay I'm backing out of looking for blue transformers because supposedly um, people have made like ecstasy pills out of them so <laughs> moving on <laughs> that's the code name for ecstasy tablet I did not know this <laughs> but yeah the Porsches were pretty good again obviously Optimus was cool because he was a truck um Silly kind of question, but was Generation 1 the best? Yes. It is pretty hard to argue that point. Followed cl- very closely by Generation 2, and then obviously third and fourth series, Meh. I just couldn't get into. The Transformers animated now, I will say, is pretty darn good. Yeah. I really do enjoy it. Um, again, Dom was very good of hooking me up with the... Oh, there's Bumblebee there. Um... He got rocket booted on his back. Um, he was good enough to hook me up with it, and um, the first couple of series, you know, like the the characters of it are are very very good. You know, mm-hmm. like there's different characters that you don't see in the original ones, yeah. you know, like Prowl and that kind of stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, it's just like different um, personas on them. You know, Bumblebee's heavily in it, and he, he partners up with the wee girl and stuff. But yeah. But yeah, that I know. I've only I've only seen bits and bobs of that, and it does look like a pretty cool wee show. But Generation One definitely is, you know, it's above and beyond the best that you would have. But it's still kind of good to see them continuing on with various other different forms nowadays. It's obviously again due to the live action movies that it's came back with a force. kind of they've always way. you know Hasbro's always continued to do them. They've never shut down production of really Transformer toys. Well, it's the same with like GI Joe. You know, there's yeah. some rocks going to be in the second film of that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, actually, to be totally honest and fair, I didn't go and see the G.I. Joe movie in the cinema, but then I, find, I watched it when it came on Sky and actually quite enjoyed it. It's mindless, mindless fun. I have it in there. I've got it in Tesco's for like a couple of quid. Uh, well, it's worth it for a couple of quid. Yeah. Um, how does it hold up today? Well, obviously, whenever, you know, we get, like, CGI and all that kind of stuff, the 
graphics just get like really shiny bright and yeah. everything. So it's it's good, but some of the animation is pretty bad. But you know, I I think it's the same way. You know, like obviously with the likes of Thundercats, you know, some of the animation and stuff in that was quite crude at times. <laughs> um, but I do think that. It still holds up today. It is something that um, you probably could, you know, like I could put my nephew down in front of in mm-hmm. a couple of years' time, and I think he would probably eat it up. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's the thing is it's ageless in the sense of kids don't judge quality. It's us as adults that judge quality. Kids yeah. just look, oh, that's cool, that's fun, that looks enjoyable, that's fine. Off you'll go and watch it. Um, whereas we're we're thinking as adults basically. You know, I'd love to see like an HD cleaned up version of that or something. Yeah. We get we get really picky with quality. Um, you know, anybody who's a Transformers fan would love to see it in really good quality. Like for example, obviously, um, Lion King, which we spoke about a while ago, it's getting a HD re-release and 3D release and all, going to be brought to Blu-ray. So it's doable for old shows to be cleaned up and all that sort of stuff. Whether they would bother to invest that sort of money in the Transformers is some of them you know, don't. Some of them like. Um I got the incre- the 1982 Incredible Hulk animation ca- animated mm-hmm. cartoon, and with the likes of say Master Universe or say like Turtles, yeah. they've cleaned up the picture. Mm-hmm. This just looked like it was straight. Somebody put in the VHS and somebody put in a DVD and just hit record. Ooh, it was that ropey. It was just like, you know, it's like if you were to go back after being on a computer and then mm-hmm. go back to like very old computer and you know like having a floppy disk, floppy disk you know. and you know like not having your sky hd box but instead you have you know your video with tracking and oh. all that kind of stuff it, it just the dark ages yeah <laughs> but speak before we move on mm-hmm. like speaking of the whenever you said about if they were to do like a subscription to do transformers you'd be tempted very much like master universe did a commemorative line they did the same with Transformers and I bought like quite a few of them but I wasn't you know like I bought them and then a friend of mine he was looking for some of them so I actually gave them to him mm-hmm. and they were all like pretty um, in their box and stuff but um, don't, it's don't some- let base hear that <laughs> it was something that it's something that if I was to go around a carpet sale and I saw Transformers you know like I would mm. buy them yeah yeah you know so it's it is something that, you know, very much like the toys, like the animation, they will still hold up today because it's something that will keep kids occupied because we look, he transforms into a robot and then goes into a car. Go sit in the corner and play that with that for three hours. Yeah. Jamie. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, uh, we are going to go to the break here and we are going to come back with an interview with Stan Bush where he will talk to us about the various music comings and goings and various different other things to do with how he got the job on the Transformers animated movie. Yeah, it runs for about 20 odd minutes, so join us after that and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the Transformers live action film because obviously we'll talk quite a bit about the 86 movie in this, whenever Stan Bush did the um the audio oh uh, sorry the music sorry about that uh, the music for you sound very monotone oh well moving on (laughs) see you in 20 20 oh yeah that's right interview okay bye now 
Now the heroic Autobots have created the Dinobots. Slag, Sludge, Snarl, Grimlock, a brave prehistoric breed. Evil Decepticons! Dinobots, transform! Somehow the Dinobots must stop the evil Decepticons. They must save Earth. Robots in disguise from Hasbro. Hey guys, you're listening to Operation Retroshock with Alan Price and Chris Vint. And this is your one-stop spot for everything retro, baby. You name it, they cover it. I'm Rob Bates from Not Mitten Box and Comic Nation TV. And we're a part of a little family called the Pop Culture Network. You got the Hold on tight. The most incredible rock and roll adventure ever is here. to the shock Starring Judd Nelson as Hot Rod. Leonard Nimoy as... Galvatron and Orson Welles. It's the ultimate battle between Autobots and Decepticons. Beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. Transformers, the movie. in the ultimate Transformer experience. And the final confrontation between Optimus Prime and Megatron. The battle between good and evil rages to a new level. Transformers, the movie. Welcome back from the break, folks. Uh, we're joined by a very special guest today. Uh, as always, the case is an Operation Retroshock. We don't uh, introduce the said guest because we would do a pretty lousy job of it. So, mystery guest, if you would please go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes, hi, uh, I'm Stan Bush. Hello, uh, Stan. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on Operation Retroshock. Um, just... Um, one of the reasons why you have we have you on is you performed music to do with a certain animated um, film that came out in 1986. Would you care to enlighten us what that was, sir? Oh, yeah, Transformers the movie. The original animated um, film came out in 86, and uh, this happens to be the 25-year anniversary of the uh, release of that, and, of course, the song everyone knows is The Touch and Dare also. Uh, those two songs... Uh, we're, uh, we're in the film and, uh, and, and the soundtrack album. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, the first question I have for you, Stan, is was music always your career choice and how did you become involved in the music industry? Well, I grew up, um, you know, playing, uh, well, I played trombone in school, but, but mainly guitar since I was about 10 years old and then uh, played in bands all through school and then uh, toured uh, around the South. I grew up in Florida and uh, anyway... Uh, when I was uh, in my uh, early 20s, I got asked to join a recording group in Colorado, and uh, so I moved there and then spent uh, nearly three years in Colorado, and then we got signed and moved to L.A., So, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. Lovely. Um, how did you get your job of composing music tracks for the Transformers animated film? Okay, um, I was doing my second album, 
for Scotty Brothers uh, epic, and uh, we we wrote the song "The Touch." My friend uh, Lenny Macaluso and I, and uh, originally with the idea of submitting it submitting it for the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie Cobra, and uh, anyway, the record company instead got it in the Transformers movie. Uh, we were like uh, a cartoon movie about robots. <laughs> anyway, but little did we know that it was going to turn into a big phenomenon. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's how it came about. Okay. Uh, did you see the movie before? Well, obviously, you said there that it was actually in a. Diff- it was meant to be in a different film. Um, did you actually see any of the TV shows prior to that? And also, you did another song called Dare in the Transformers film. Did you? garner any inspiration from the tv shows um about you know for that song um no i didn't really know um i mean i was vaguely familiar with what transformers were my uh you know the toys had just come out and uh my i actually had a nephew that was about eight years old at the time and he had a toy a transformer toy and i was i watched him like transform it in a matter of seconds i was like trying to figure it out for a long time <laughs> i couldn't do it um but anyway yeah that uh it just kind of uh like i say it turned into a whole uh a whole cool thing i uh oh, i did go to the screening of the movie when uh after the song you know was was in, was placed in the movie and so forth and the uh record company there was a big screening party and so forth and i went to that here in los angeles Okay. Well, um, your nephew there actually beat one of our friends. I gave him a Transformers the other day, and it must have been an hour and a half, two hours, and he never actually got a Transform, so he beat him on that score anyway, so he did. <laughs> yeah, not exactly made for adults. <laughs> Uh, After your music was obviously introduced to fans who watched the Transformers film, uh, were you inundated with job offers and letters from fans? Yeah, I did get quite a few letters, actually. Um it was pretty cool because um I, well as you know the touch um and dare both both are songs about you know going for it and believing in yourself and uh they're very inspirational songs and i got fan letters from people uh, you know sometimes people maybe had some challenges in their life or whatever and uh you know the song somehow you know gave them encouragement gave them encouragement to uh to, to make some really good things happen or, or you know, overcome some, some obstacle or something. And it was it's really cool to hear stuff like that, you know. Yeah. It was uh made me feel good. Like I'm like I'm doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> um obviously as you touched on, no pun intended there, um the film was released in nineteen eighty six and the soundtrack the following year. So how does it feel that uh nearly a quarter of a century later fans still remember and listen to your music from the film? Well, that's very gratifying. I mean, I just, uh, like I said, we all want to do something that make a difference and, and maybe bring about some positive uh, thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's too many songs already about stuff like killing cops or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome, really. Um, that, it's funny because that, it sort of started a whole, um, a whole, thing for me like that became my my thing was to sing those kinds of songs like the anthem uh go for it kind of theme like the uh you know the jean-claude van damme movies the first two uh, blood sport and kickboxer uh, had songs in those and you know songs like like never surrender was in kickboxer and um uh, there were other things too where i kind of became the 80s the 80s anthem guy you know and uh i don't know I, it, it may be a little bit corny but 
there is something to that that we only use a small part of our our potential as humans as you know and uh, when you really put your mind to something you can you can do amazing stuff you know and uh, anyway it's uh, it's kind of cool nice one uh we believe you actually submitted two tracks for the first live action transformers movie uh was there any particular reason as to why these weren't used oh um you know the touch was supposed to be in the first bay film it was i I believe it was going to be one of the uh one of the songs that bumblebee you know was in the bumblebee segment um and i don't i never found out why uh, but just you know, like literally a couple of weeks before the movie came out, they they pulled the song, and I never really understood or found out why. So it was, I guess, Michael Bay's call. So um, anyway, but it's it's funny because even in spite of that, um, the the transform the the touch is still sort of the you know unofficial anthem of the Transformers. You know, it's uh, yeah. even even in spite of that, it's uh, it's it's just turned out to be a really uh, you know, a powerful song that's, that's, uh, it seems to, it's one of those songs that just won't go away. Um, like it was in Guitar Hero, came out last year in Guitar Hero, and also it's available on Rock Band. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like it was in, of course, Boogie Nights movie with, uh, Mark Wahlberg singing it, which was kind of a funny segment. And then, uh, of course, two, uh, two major television shows, uh, last year, uh, American Dad, and also on Fox, and then uh, on uh, NBC, uh, this, the TV show Chuck uh, used the, the touch. So it's uh, it's definitely made the rounds. You know, it's uh, it's been uh, it was in uh, yeah I, I mentioned Guitar Hero, but uh, also oh there was, the, there was a GameStop uh, video game uh, ads for the, the Transformers game uh, War for Cybertron, uh, which has another of my songs Till All Are One. Uh, that that, that, you've actually just covered near enough our entire next question there. That was your Sorry. next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. just to do with that. Uh, how does it, uh, the next question, just uh, so you can touch on this as well? Yeah. How does it feel that your music has been captured by the video game audience with the 2007 version of the Touch and Guitar Hero until all are one in Transformers War for Cybertron? <laughs> Did you, I yeah. haven't sent these questions to, Miss, to Mr. Stambush just on the record. He did not have a copy of these questions. <laughs> carry on, <laughs> carry on, sir. Okay, yeah, uh, that was very cool. The uh, the people that made the uh, the Transformers game, the War for Cybertron game, uh, High Moon Studios. That's uh, part of Activision, or or they made it for Activision. But anyway, I visited their um, their facility down. It's just north of San Diego. And uh, it's pretty amazing how they uh, they make those video games. But uh, anyway, it was it was cool. I I got to meet all the people that work down there. And uh, but yeah, they they also wrote a very uh, very nice uh, little uh, you know mention about me or something like that, don't saying that I rock or something. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, it was it was great. I mean, uh, Tell All Our One is a very powerful uh, Transformers theme. I, I guess. Many of your listeners probably know that song as well. So, but that was on the um, the In This Life album, along with the 2007 version of the Touch. Before we move on, have you yeah. actually rocked out to your version in Guitar Hero? Uh yeah, actually I did. Um, at the uh, Botcon from uh, 2009, uh, when it first came out on Guitar Hero. The uh, Activision had some Guitar Hero uh, setups there, and so I was playing along with 
uh, fans are singing along, and uh, <laughs> it's <was> pretty funny. <laughs> cool. Uh, obviously, you have uh, several other albums released, which are all available at stanbush.com. Um, but what would you say is your defining album? Well, that the one with the original touch was the Stan Bush and Barrage album that came out in 87, I guess, on Scotty Brothers. Is a really fine record. Um, and really, until... Until the In This Life album, I don't think I had as good of an album, but In This Life was certainly a great album in 2007. That's the one with, uh, with the, t- the re-release of The Touch and, uh, and Until All Are One. But it also has um, a lot of uh, really fine AOR kind of music. I, I guess I'm still an 80s rocker at heart, um, but songs like I'll Never Fall. And uh, Anyway, the In This Life album got um, Album of the Year, um, for, for that year in uh, um, rockunited.com. And then, uh, of course, I last year uh, released a new album called Dream the Dream, which has a... We, we recorded a, um, a new version of The Touch, kind of a darker version that's completely different um, with uh, called uh, Sam's Theme. And uh, Sam's Theme in parentheses, The Touch. But uh, it's a very cool song. Anyway, that's, that's on the new album, Dream the Dream. And uh, which came out last year, and uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, so I've been promoting that uh, that album as well. So okay, and there's a new song we released as a single, also just a few months ago, called "Heat of the Battle." Okay, which obviously, as we said there, you know, we can go on to Stambush.com. Your um, all your available music is available on iTunes, isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any other upcoming projects in film or TV for your fans to hear some of your your new music or um, new interpretation of old songs? Well, um, I'm I've been doing some gigs around uh, around Los Angeles area, and uh, also some uh, um, have a new acoustic trio that we're performing with, and uh, I'm going to be doing this summer, um, probably in August. I'm I'm looking to schedule a uh, an unplugged live concert that'll be broadcast over the web. So um, keep checking the uh, stanbush.com website for that. Uh, we'll, we should announce fairly soon about that coming up, and uh, that'll be very cool because I'll be able to to do you know pieces of the songs uh, unplugged, as it were. And uh, and and besides that, um, I'm just working on new material. You know, looking looking towards the next album. So uh, it's all good. Cool. Uh, what goals does Stan Bush have left to achieve, and so to say, any dreams that you would like to fulfill? I'm living my dream. <laughs> I really am. It's it's been such a great ride. I mean, it's uh, I I have uh, a lot of people that that um, around the world who really really love my songs, and uh, it it's kind of cool to sort of touch people. You know, in a certain way, you know, emotionally. That music is such an amazing thing. It's a, it really is a gift, you know. And uh, I don't know. It just to me, it's like in this world, if you can do anything at all that's sort of positive, you know, and uh, like we all want to, you know, help people and maybe you know do this or that to uh, to sort of make things better. And uh, I don't know. I uh, I feel like I'm um, I'm I'm in the right place and. Uh, Anyway, I just really appreciate the support. Everybody's been really great. 
Okay. Uh, touching on that, uh, the final question for you, Stan. Uh, what would you like to say to all your fans across the world who've supported you? You know, listened to your music via, you know, whether it be like ourselves through the Transformers film, whether it's been just somebody who's loved your music and bought every album, every song that you've released. What would you have to say to to your um, endless fans? I'm just incredibly grateful. I just, you know, really thank uh, everybody for their support. It's just. You know, it's just the music business is very tough, you know, and uh, to to have people that are loyal fans. I mean, I've always been a, a, a really good singer and so forth, and, you know, I've made a lot of money singing commercials and films and, and television and things, but to, to be able to come up with something like a song like maybe Love Don't Lie or some other song or like The Touch where, you know, people love your songs and your music, it's just there's no better feeling in the world, you know, and uh, I just really thank everybody for, for the support and, you know, it's, uh, you got to touch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan, that's all we have for you. Um, I'd like to thank you for coming on, uh, sparing a couple, uh, sparing some time from your no doubt hectic schedule to um, just go over the Transformers stuff, obviously, with the third film that's coming out. Um, you said that you went to see the, the, um, the animated film. Have you actually been to see any of the Michael Bay ones? Or yeah, trans- yeah, I yeah. saw. Um, yeah, I saw the the first one. I thought was really good, and uh, uh, I'm still haven't seen the, uh, the the third one yet. So uh, I guess the second one wasn't quite as good. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's uh, you know uh, he 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 makes great films, and uh, you know it's it's kind of cool because. The whole Transformers, like when you go to these Transformers conventions, I was just at BotCon, you know, week before last, and uh, you know, meeting all the fans, and it's just, it's just so cool, you know. They have, uh, they got a lot of heart, you know, these people, and uh, you know, Transformers are cool. Okay, well, Stan, thank you very much. Um, just stay on the line, uh, just so we can say thanks off air and stuff. But uh, from all yeah, myself. We'll Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, join us after break, folks, wherever we'll be discussing more Transformers-related topics. Hi, this is Larry Caddy, the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercats. Ho! Got a little surprise for you, son. No, 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 Dad! Oh, you got it? You're kidding me. Yeah, I am. You're not getting a Porsche. <laughs> Let me tell you something, son. A driver don't pick the cars. Mm-mm. Cars pick the driver. It's a mystical bond between man and machine. What you're about to see is totally classified. Dear God, what is this? We're facing war against a technological civilization far superior to our own. Our enemy can take any shape. They could be anywhere. It's a robot, you know, like a super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese.
no, 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 no! friends, Sweenholic here, inviting you to join me every Monday for Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk. What's that, you ask? Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk is my weekly video series in which we take a look at my favorite toy line of yesteryear, Vintage Playmates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you're a green teen goer, I'm betting you'll have a great time getting reacquainted with old friends or meeting new ones for the first time. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk at www.radicalretro.com, part of the Pop Culture Network. Hello, welcome back from the break, folks. Uh, listening to there, Stanbush. Now he's got the touch. Um, but uh, sorry, I lost train of thought there. Um, but um, Transformers animated movie and the music. Spit it out, man! <laughs> sorry. Um, so yes, we hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, moving on, <laughs> it is time to talk about the Michael Bay live-action nope. Transformers movies. I heard an explosion. I know it's in the distance. Yeah. Don't worry, they're not going to be anywhere near. That's okay. Don't worry, it's okay. There'll be any base explosions here. Michael Bay explosions! I'm putting that in. What? Uh, anyway, moving on. Michael Bay has done the live action films, of course. Can we imagine anyone else dealing with the robots in disguise? Was there anyone else you could have a preference for? I don't know. I'm not really a big. The directors? Yeah. Um. I don't know, obviously I would have preferred <laughs> I would have preferred like Spielberg doing it by himself. But then again, fair enough, you know, like E. T. may have popped up or something and went like Optimus phone home. E. T. spaceship had just been flying through orbit there and then Optimus would have come down in his meteorite form and <laughs> an E. T. would have been blown up. Yeah. Um No, I don't know. Um I think he did a good job with the first one, but not so much the other two. Fair enough. Um, he does seem like the right guy, in my opinion, for a live-action version of Transformers, because it's going to obviously involve a hell of a amount of action, a hell of a amount of explosions, a hell of a amount of CGI, and a lot of work. And he's the sort of guy who, not to dampen the mood, but he has been described as Hitler on set in the way he demands things from everybody. It got a certain person fired, a known as Megan Fox um, specifically because Steven Spielberg didn't like it which is understandable really um, but obviously Michael Bay is commonly known for his action movies he's done bad boys and all that sort of stuff he's done uh, Armageddon of my did he do the island I'm not 100% sure but because he because apparently with the third film he borrowed bits from that 
No, I haven't heard that. It's like with Ian McGregor and some lass. Alright, okay. Um, but done Armageddon, done Bad Boys, all those contain much violence and blowing up and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it kind of does fit in the mould of what you would have expected for a live-action Transformers movie. Right. Did, did the opening for the first film set the pace for things to come? Oh, you mean like whenever the helicopter then transforms and then starts yes. blowing stuff up? Yeah, I think it. I think it does. Um, I think that um, the characters of Sam and Michaela um, work well. Um, probably more in this film than they do in the second film, and obviously in the third film that doesn't happen. Um, what happened? Spoilers alert. Yeah, Megan Fox uh, got stepped on. Uh, spontaneously combusts. She's like, big explosion, and then she just blows up. Damn it, you spoiled it for everybody. Yeah, Don't worry, we will be doing a spoilers warning in a bit, so just to foreshadow that event. Uh, so, yeah. And then I, I I like how they hark back, you know, whenever he picks up Bumblebee and they have the old um, Volkswagen Beetles. That there, was pretty awesome. Like. Camaro and stuff, so... Yeah, uh, I could watch the first film, you know, a good couple of times, mm-hmm. whereas the second film, like, I watched before I went to see the third one, and that was hard, and I don't think, I think with the third one, it'll not be one that I'll be going to see again in the cinema, or I don't think it'll be one that I'll buy a Blu-ray unless it's really cheap. Mm. Well, I, I would rate number three above number two, but... Yeah, but you can't really polish a turd, can you? Well, we shall talk about it shortly. Uh, but yeah, I I remember like going with a group of friends late at night to see the first Transformers movie. It was just one of those sort of things. We were out. I think we were actually out. Uh, there's play- in the lash. <laughs> no, we weren't out in the lash. Um, Getting drunk. Paralytic. There's a place many people in Northern Ireland will know in the yeah. Greater Belfast area called the Odyssey. Oh. It's where many things go on. Sorry, oh. now where the MTV Movie Awards, well, European movie, no, European Music Awards are going to happen this year. Um, but it's got bowling and all various other different entertainment forms and we were like alright oh, we'll finish bowling what will we do ah we'll go to cinema so up we went in, in to see Transformers at about half eleven twelve o'clock at night um, and just the opening scene of that helicopter just going across like the desert and you're just like something's gonna go down <laughs> and of course it does and it's you just I think it's the part just where the helicopter sat down, you know, it's just landed, and all the soldiers are, like, looking at it, yeah. and you just hear the yeah, the, 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 the warping noise of the yeah. Transformer, and then you just see going, and it starts changing slower than you would see of, you know, a normal Transformer, um, and it just transforms into this huge wrecking machine, it's just like, oh my goodness, and you see it, and it's kicking tanks through the air and all that sort of thing, and you're just like... I'm so glad I came to this movie. But yeah, it really set the things, you know, rolling for the movie franchise. Huh. Rolling. I didn't mean it as a pun, Chris. Anywho. So, obviously in the first movie we have, and subsequently the other two movies, surprisingly enough, we have Sam. Um, He is, of course, a throwback to the animation show specifically Spike who do we prefer do we prefer Spike do we prefer Sam no Spike was just irritating yeah um, 
obviously Sam's a bit more likable because he's real mm. and um, he's like, human. <laughs> like it's pretty funny. Like in the second one, winner for um, <coughs> the girls uh, on the bed kissing him, and then Michaela walks in, and you know, like she has the 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 tongue comes out, you know, like the big metal tongue. Wow. And then you hear him like screaming like a wee girl. Uh-huh. That's just That's pretty funny. funny. It is pretty cool. Like that was one of the shining moments of the, the third, third of number two. Um, but yes, I think you're right in the sense of Sam. You initially get the opinion again. He's very much. You kind of see. Ugh, he seems so annoying because obviously your first impression of him is in the classroom where he's basically trying to hawk his grandfather's old stuff. Yeah. You know. He's like, oh yeah, this is my history project. By the way, you can buy this on eBay for. Are you ladies man two one seven? Because obviously he's trying to raise money to get a vehicle. Um, but yeah, Sam is a lot better. If not so likable at the beginning because he just seems like a doofus, but he gets there. He gets there. And the budget for the first movie was 150 million, and it made over 700 million. Would any other 80s cartoons, in your opinion, if transferred to the live-action realm of movies, make anywhere near that much money? Or is it just because the Transformers have made that much? I think it's because, like... Sony at the minute are talking about doing new Masters of the Universe movie, which, if they do, great. But I can't see that making anywhere near 750 odd million. No. There's no chance. You'd be lucky to get 300 million out of it, I would think. Yeah. Um, it's because Transformers has such a wide appeal. Whereas, yes, obviously, and I'm not, I'm being careful what words I choose here, but Masters of the Universe nowadays has a very much more confined fan base in the yeah. sense of Transformers has continued throughout the years. Obviously, He Man has had its resurrections. But it has never been in the public eye for a continued space of time like Transformers. I think as well, you know, like another thing that helps Transformers in the mind of conventions, you mm. know, whether it's BotCon or Auto Assembly, that kind of stuff, you know, like that goes on year on year, whereas now we only have, you know, like there's that uh, PowerCon, which is um, to do, it's joining up with ThunderCon. So it's like a convention for Thundercats. Like I think if they made a live action or an animated Thundercats film, I don't think that'll get it. same with Turtles. I don't think that would. Well, they know, did do the you know yeah the one that Sarah Michelle Gellar, Gellar voiced April. You know, mm-hmm. like the the CGI one. No, that's no no. I mean, if they were to redo the very first Turtles film, the live action film. Like they did Transformers, mm. you know. I just don't think that because they would be in CGI. And I don't think it would work. At the all. only thing that I could see, the uh, only thing that I could see maybe beating it would be if they did another Ghostbusters film. Yeah, I could see Ghostbusters having the problem with Ghostbusters is it'll make so much money, but I think it'll just get universally panned because obviously. Well, if you look we at know Trans- the minute about Bill Murray and all that sort of stuff. But if you look at Transformers, you know, first film got quite a few, quite a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. You look at the second film, and then you look at the third film. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a case of you should have stopped the one. 
Yeah. You know, whereas obviously here with Ghostbusters, it's going to be its one and only time return. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so it's a case of... It, you look at whenever they did the new Indiana Jones film, yeah. that was a huge success, but it was crap. Yeah. It was absolutely... Because it was meant to be the one and only return of Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah, and then apparently they're, doing, uh, apparently they're doing another one. Again, with the individual that plays Sam Witwicky in these movies, Shade the Wolf. Yeah. Um... No, I, I think if you were to pick one, I think Ghostbusters, due to the fact that it's still as popular, you know, you've had the real Ghostbusters, you have the figures and stuff like that, um, so I think that may be the one um, that would give, you know, like, I don't know, I think the budget for that would be around the same as Transformers, mm-hmm. um, but I think it would do quite well. I, I, would, I would love to see... Like a live-action Thundercats movie, but there's a difference between what I and a lot of, you know, pretty much everybody that would listen to this podcast would like to see, and what the mainstream public would go and see. Mm-hmm. You know, we we only make up like maybe twenty percent of the market. Twenty percent of the market is, you know, it's a big deal. But if they're to make a movie, they're not going to make the movie for the us, you know, our twenty percent. They're going to make the movie for you know the eighty other percent. Yeah. You know, that'll come in and pay for the movie. It's much like what they're, you know, the stuff that's going on at the minute is there's going to be a Bioshock movie coming out, which is one of my favourite games, and that would be awesome. I'd love to see a movie. But at the minute, it's kind of in funding limbo. It's, you know, it's pretty much ready to go, but I can't remember what that, whether it's Paramount or whoever are funding it, but it's a case of uh, Gore Verbinski, who is, if everybody's familiar with Pirates of the Caribbean, was involved with that. Um, he wants it to be rated R, rated 18 in the UK, so like the game. Whereas the film company wants it to be a rated, you know, rated teen, you know, 15, something like that. Yeah. So it's available to a more wider brand. Which for a game going to a movie such as Bioshock, it's very much like Resident Evil. It needs to be an 18, so that you know shrinks your you know fan base and potential moviegoers right down. Yeah. So, Transformers looks like it's probably going to be your last kind of big money cartoon. Obviously, we have had the Dark Knight and all that sort of stuff, but it's you know it's something completely different along the line because obviously Batman primarily years ago started, yeah, you started you can't, off. You can't really live action. You can't really st- you know say with like to say like Captain America or the Green Lantern mm-hmm. or Iron Man. You know. We're just saying about 80s cartoon properties yeah. that were... Not from comic books. Yeah, not from comic books, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. I, I understand that Transformers were comics. Yes. I don't think that the TV show transformed into a comic or whatever. Exactly. Um, you mentioned it slightly earlier. Um, obviously, there was the nod to the original Bumblebee from the animation when Sam goes to get his first car. We see a little yellow beetle sitting there, and obviously the new Bumblebee parks beside it. Did you like that scene? Was it a cool way to introduce not only a different side to this, kind of where we start to see a different side of Sam, but also just seeing past and future, basically? Yeah, I also like, you know, obviously, whenever he gets in and he rubs the dust off the wheel, you know, um, the center, um, that's very much like in the toy, you know, you kind of had to hold your finger on the, um, the thing to see if you had an Autobot or a Decepticon. You know, so it kind of was like I thought it was almost like a throwback to that. Yeah. Um, I I did like it. I thought that 
you know, they could, they could have maybe done more, you know, like throwbacks, you mm. know, like the ones that are in your face, you know, like if they had done um, somebody, you know, like if um, Sam's dad said he was on the phone with, um, you know, his distant cousin Sparkplug or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know or so- something like that, or Chip was on the phone, you know, who was it, uh, the disabled child who was in mm-hmm. um, that, or something like that, and he could, you know, like... Or even have, was, like, a newspaper article or something, like his dad's sitting there reading the newspaper or something that says, like, such and such gets a ward or something like yeah, that, you yeah. know? Something, yeah. something like that, but, you know, apparently he... Um, Michael Bay said that he wanted to have the Dinobots in the third film, but I think that would have been great to see. Um, the, the perfect excuse with... Um, ugh, don't yeah, don't we'll want to we'll go into three yet. We'll yeah, talk we'll about it when we get to three. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to just go, well, here's a spoiler you have to skip because it's better doing it all at the end. Because then if you don't want to hear it, you can just go, that's okay, end of episode. Um, moving on, of course, obviously the Autobots arrive via a meteor storm kind of thing and interact with, differently with various other people. Of course, we have the little girl at the swimming pool who is... Are you the Tooth Fairy? Yes, mistakes Ironhide for the Tooth Fairy. Obviously, he is not the Ironhide as we see. He is in his pre-scanning of a car mode. Um, so she mistakes him for the Tooth Fairy, and she happens to be carrying My Little Pony, which is another Hasbro entity. Um, was it a good way, the way we got to see them taking their form? We saw them as their basic raw kind of robot form. Mm. Well, again, that's very much like in... The, um, the original cartoon was that there was obviously we all know about the war on Cybertron between the Autobots mm-hmm. and Decepticons um, Autobots go to flee and the Decepticons kind of go after them mm-hmm. and they basically crash you know Decepticons I think they end up in the ocean the mm-hmm. Autobots end up like buried in Mount- um, in the mountain volcanic eruption triggers Teletron 1 scans that and goes like deploy deploy so then it sees like a truck that's what Optimus is yep. it sees you know a jeep that's what Ironhide is it sees an ambulance of what ratchet is yeah. etc so I think it may, again it would have been a good throwback to that is that instead of them coming down because of that mm. if they accidentally had crash landed yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe Bumblebee was the first one Find and then that's Aye, like they were Sam. like for example like he was the what you would call in kind of army terms a vanguard he was kind of the one that went in first he was going there to explore and discover but then there so happened to be there was technical issues or something and they crashed and they that's how yeah. you saw them in their original forms or something yeah. like that that would have been yeah would have been cool it would have been a nice throwback and it would have made sense you know like the Decepticons are in the water and then at the end of the first one whenever you see Megatron getting buried in the water it's kind of like you know that's where you began that's where you finished yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and that kind of thing Definitely. but that's just what I would have liked to see you know I'm a big mark for the cartoons so that's why I would have liked to see it in the um yeah, I definitely think when you look at what cars you would call your original lot of Transformers in the first movie get, like Ironhide is a big uh, General Motors kind of like uh, semi-pickup truck, which kind of works with the whole Jeep aspect thing, so that, you know, he was a, he's a big brute of a thing. Yeah, but he was more like, it almost looked like he was more like an army kind of Jeep. Mm. You know, there was no roof yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything. It was just like the windscreen and yeah. that was basically it. 
Whereas in this one, obviously, he's more of a he's more of a civilian vehicle, but still is yeah. a pretty freaking you know sturdy sturdy machine. Um, obviously, Optimus is a truck again, but quite a different style of truck. He isn't your flat front style truck. He has the big nose on him. I think it's a Peterbilt truck or something like that. I can't remember the name specifically. Um, again, that caused a wee bit of furore, but people got over it. Uh, maybe they didn't. I don't know. <laughs> um, Ratchet was very good, I think, because he was basically a Hummer medical vehicle, which, you know, it's as close as you can get, really. Um, Jazz obviously wasn't a Porsche. He was a... Again, a General Motors, I think it was, I think the car's like a Solstice or something like that, I can't remember. Um, who else have we got? That's about everybody, isn't it? Yeah, that's everybody, I think. There's nobody yeah, obviously. Like, and Bumblebee was uh, old-style Camaro, new-style Camaro. Yeah, obviously in the second one, then you had, like, the the twins, like the wee they ones. Were, they were, again, General Motors. They were the smaller, they were not Camaro, sorry, Chevrolets, so the words, so that was kind of why... In number two, they were paired up with Bumblebee because Bumblebee's kind of seen as he's the big Chevrolet, he's yeah. Camaro, and they're the wee tiny ones. So. And then he had RC, which were the bikes, which I didn't really understand because no screen time apart from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but RC was a bike, you know. That was fair enough if you have like hologram on it, that's fine. But I didn't understand why there was three because in the cartoon it was like one pink bike, yeah. and then she transformed into a girl and was the mm. first girl. Yeah. You know, because that would have been a good thing for Michaela, say. Yeah. You know, like if considering you, she drives a bike in the second one. Yeah, if you give if you give Sam Bumblebee mm-hmm. then, you know, girlfriends maybe being with girlfriends going like, Oh well I want one and be like, Here's a nice pink bike for you. Um, it'll be your protector, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, but it would have been a perfect explanation to have because obviously in number two her and Sam are separate up until a point, so you know he's going off to college and yeah. that sort of thing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of humour in all these movies. Was there anything in particular that you that stands out to you that you find particularly funny? I um, Sam's mother, um, like near enough ninety percent of the time, whenever she's on screen, is pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like in the second one, whenever she's at the um, marijuana-induced um, b- brownies, mm. and she's going like, "Oh, you've got little booties," and all, and then she whacks her head, mm-hmm. you know, on the plant and all that kind of stuff. I just think she's hey, professor, I'll do anything for an A. Yeah, I just think she's pretty funny. Um, honestly, <coughs> whenever Bumblebee um, lubricates in your man Simmons. Bumblebee, um, stop lubricating on the human. <laughs> that and um, probably, I would probably say um, I didn't really like the twins in the second one. I f- I always loved. Um, it's not funny, but it's I always laughed at the way Ironhide would react in the first movie. Yeah. Sort of thing. It's like Sam was explaining to him, like when the wee like chihuahua press press problem. Yeah, when the wee chihuahua pees on his foot and he just has his big gun pointing at this tiny yeah. dog and sounds like no 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 we love Chihuahua we like Chihuahua and he says you go bad dog and you just see Iron I go bad dog and it's like I thought that was pretty cool um uh, one of the other ones from the first movie that stands out for me is the bit where obviously 
Sam offers Michaela a ride. This is obviously before their boyfriend girlfriend, and oh, Bumblebee, Bumblebee starts Bumblebee's playing music. all the tracks, like yeah. he's trying to hit on her and that. And then obviously, thing. as we heard in the interview, that the touch was meant to be yep. one of the songs that was played there. But yeah, that would probably be um, up there as well. You know, like whenever he's she's walking away, and like who's going to ride you home uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> funny. This is a bit of an obvious question, and I kind of know where it's going to end up, but did the second film live up to our high expectations of the first film? No. Wipe out. Um, if you have Star Wars, which is a great film, and then you have Empire Strikes Back, which is even better, mm-hmm. this is a complete polar opposite. This yeah. is like going from... I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Um, this is like you going from the Godfather 1 to Godfather 3 in one file swoop. Mm. And that's a pun because Swoop's a Dinobot. <laughs> um, this is, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. Is it just dragged on too long. Yeah. And even the third one dragged on too long. Yeah, it could have been 40 minutes less at least. It could have been. Like, obviously this one was where you see them running through the desert and all that. And, and uh, Megan Fox is whiter than white, white jeans, which magically clean them. Still it bang! <laughs> bang, and Megan Fox is gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it was just, it went on too yeah. long. I, I understood the principle of it, but again, you get to the point now, whereas with all like the toys and stuff like in the early 80s, it was like, this is turning into commercial for your action figures yeah. because here's Optimus Prime with um, let's throw in a million other different Transformers and hardly use them with here's like Spitfire's parts on him mm-hmm. where's a variant yeah as you say here because that would happen in because animated like you said what was it there was they had the RC they called them twins but there was three of them uh, whatever that means um, then you had I think it was Jolt which was like the car that you see when Ratchet is attaching the parts to Optimus that powers them up and provides electricity to them. And then you have, obviously, you have um, Sideswipe, who does, in fact, make an appearance in 3, but again, is very rarely used, apart from the part at the beginning of 2, where he does the ultimately amazing badass thing of he flips over the top of oh, the Decepticon the Audi, brings yeah. the knife down, slices it up the middle. Yeah. He was cool, but again, after that point, all you kind of see them is maybe fighting in the background. Yeah. And you don't hear from them again, so it but is that, just As we're saying, that's, that's what happened in the early cartoon, was the fact that you would just get random ones that would just pop up. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's Gears walking back, here's Sunstreaker, here's this Autobot, here's this Decepticon. Where, where the heck did these people... Mm-hmm. I understand if, like, um, with the plane... Um, oh, I can't remember his name... I was white and all, and he was a Decepticon, and then he turned into an Autobot. I think it was Jeff Farr, I don't know. Um, you know, I understand that point because you find him. Yeah. Whereas these Autobots are just like, you know, like, hi, yeah, remember me? Yeah, I was just like, and I well, parked down. And again, it happens in number three. Yeah. So it does. Obviously, it's it's kind of more understandable going from one to two. And there's other Transformers are here because obviously at the end of number one you hear Optimus going, I send this message to any surviving Autobots taking refuge among the stars. We are here. We are waiting. So basically saying, you know, come on, you know, we're here. Come yeah. and join us. But whereas in number three, there's just all these random other ones that have arrived and you're just like, okay, and then where's your, where's your other buddies gone? You know, where have they disappeared to? Um, anyway, in number two, 
Optimus isn't in it for a seriously long amount of time because obviously he gets failed at the hands of three Decepticons the main one of course being Megatron um, was it was this one of the cool points of two in that they were harking back to the original 1986 movie or, oh, or was it just being copycats well it's it's not really it it kind of is harking back and it's not yeah, yeah. you know like Optimus dies but that's that's kind of the height of it really you know, yeah that. but he doesn't say you know like here Bumblebee Take here's the, the Matrix yeah. you know blah 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 um, I think that I think having Optimus in it less hurt it mm. I think if you were maybe to do that in the third one mm. and well we'll talk about that in a minute um, but I think if you maybe delayed that and you give your third one a big you know, like a big send off, and then you know that kind of thing. Um, but I think it, um, I think in the second one, it really did harm it, and that's why it wasn't as memorable. Yeah, that, that's why it's like the the worst out of the the trilogy. Yeah, because no. again, obviously, there was the excuse was thrown about that number two was not as good. As number one because of the writer's strike that occurred in Hollywood around the time that this was in pre-production. Um, again, something to talk about with three is other people's arguments that that is now um, absolute rubbish. Um, that the writer's strike did not occur with number three and it was by nowhere near the quality of number one. But again, that's one for a couple of minutes time. Um kind of mentioned this already but was there any Transformers that made an impact that we would, would have wanted to see in the third movie or were we just happy should have they just stuck with the originals for example should Jazz have originally been killed off or was there anybody we would have liked to have seen killed off you know in number two or <laughs> I don't understand why you kill Jazz off because Jazz is like in number one he's, <coughs> he's Prime's number two yeah he's kind of like an important character so I don't understand why you do that. Why didn't they bring in a less important Autobot, say, like, um, say, like, Sideswipe? Mm -hmm. And then, if he's not in it much in the second or the third one, kill him off. Nobody's really going to care, you know. Um, fair enough, you're going to have a character death, you know, by Megatron to show how ruthless Megatron is, but do it to a less important character mm -hmm. and then have that original band that original click there mm -hmm. um you know but and then instead of had well i suppose i was going to say instead of having bumblebee you know like with the whenever they capture him in the freezing mm -hmm. you could have that being jazz instead so he could have served some purpose mm -hmm. yeah no but, that's i agree mm -hmm. um yeah whole idea of like i could understand and all with them not killing off someone like Sideswipe because it is getting down to not for toys or anything like that but basically Michael Bay got a deal with General Motors you know any brand that is under the General Motors of America you know was involved with this movie effectively every car that you see on that screen effectively is a General Motors car so basically General Motors is like ah yes Michael Bay by the way we have this concept car that we're you know, we have here, you know, would you like, <coughs> to like to use it for one of your Transformers? So it'll have been a case of, this is our concept car, we want to leave it, see this seen by as many people as possible, so don't kill it off or anything like that. Like, 
if you'd have took Jolt, obviously Jolt, like again I said, completely disappears from two into three. He's nowhere to be seen. Um, there's your perfect excuse to kill somebody. If you don't plan on using him, I know you could say, well, Michael Bay didn't plan that far forward. <laughs> but um, it's a case of GM were going to focus at that period of time on electric cars and then that kind of got swept aside, which is probably why okay, here. Well, so it's here, just killed somebody that's... Here's something. <laughs> you know, in the second one, you had... In the first one, obviously, you had your Decepticons. In your second one, you had around about the same number, if not a few less. And then the third one, obviously, you know, we'll talk, to, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you have this, you know, like, you have a couple of new, you know, new recruits that you see a bit more. Mm-hmm. But why didn't they just like keep it not like a skeleton stuff, but instead of going here, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one? Because at the end of the day, some of them merge, and that's what a lot of people say about Transformers is that there's a lot of them that you don't know who's who, mm. and I don't unless Optimus goes like, oh, you know, Prowl go and do this, or you know, I know who Bumblebee is. I know who Ironhide is. I know who Ratchet is. But then the other ones, I couldn't tell you who half them are. And we are going to now tell everybody that from this point on, if you have not went and seen the new Transformers movie number three, Dark of the Moon, then please skip forward to like the last five minutes. I'm not going to particularly say, you know, check in twenty minutes or whatever because. We could rant on for another 30, but just go to the like last five minutes and that'll probably be when we'll explain if you know what's coming up. But if you've listened to the previous shows, you probably know what we've already said it's coming up anyway. Well, what we'll even do, <coughs> what we'll even do is um, whenever you're editing this, mm-hmm. just put on the synopsis um, once we've said spoiler and when go is, to yeah. this. We'll do that, but so yes. spoiler time. So if you haven't seen the third one, stop listening. Stop listening from now. Spoilers from this point on. So. Number three, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Right. Pretty interesting start. A wee bit, again, you can say the point of a wee bit long. Um, it's explained the fact that there was a reason behind the moon missions, that there was a uh, Autobot ship that crashed on the moon. That's why Neil Armstrong, Buzz and all went up, etc., we find out that there was, in fact, something already taken from the ship, and we eventually find out that Chernobyl was as a result of humans trying to use Transformers technology to power. It was, in fact, not a nuclear power plant. It was powered by them. But this is when we see, obviously, Optimus now, again, randomly, has a trailer now. Mm-hmm. Um... What was your first opinions when you saw the trailer? Was it just a case of was it like a fa- was it a five second you know nostalgic trip back or were you really happy to see it? Yeah, but then it should have been something that he did in the first film. He should have. Why, yeah. why all of a sudden two films later? Oh, here's my trailer, by the way. Mm. Why? It is. It, it's kind of again what we've said with toys. I really, really freaked out when I saw the trailer and what it eventually did because. It turns in, you know, it itself, in fact, transforms. It doesn't... It would be very unrealistic nowadays for the trailer to just disappear and vanish, like it does effectively in the animation. So it is, in fact, something of use for Optimus. It has, like, 
various weapons in it, and as he says at one point later in the movie, his jetpack. So that was cool in the sense of you saw it transform and it had purpose. But again, you kind of know this is going to be for a toy in the next six months for Christmas. Um, was there a case of I'm trying to think? Was there a need for the Decepticon? We see that's a bird. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's um, Laserbeak. That's Soundwaves. Mm-hmm. No, I knew he was involved with Soundwave, but I was just like. I think he proved very useful because that's what he used to do in the cartoon was that um, Soundwave would say Laserbeak, you know, um, deploy and then Laserbeak would sit there and spy on people and then go back to Megatron and, you know, Megatron always say, you know, kind of Soundwave. Soundwave and Laserbeak um, were his two that he could depend on, you know, for um, different things. Um, So... I think that the addition of Laserbeak was probably one of the better moves in that, yeah. and I'm including Sentinel, Sentinel Prime in that. Um, I, th- I, I think. Well, no, it's okay. Sorry, go ahead. I think that Laserbeak proved more useful mm. and served more purpose than. He had a lot of screen time. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Whereas compared to the second one, obviously, whenever they're trying to get the shard. Um, Soundwave sends something from up, you know, up, um, up in space yeah, down, yeah. and that's Ravage. Mm-hmm. So Laserbeak again, I change Ravage, you know, in that. But I think that that was a good um, throwback, and I think the way it worked was that he could just transform in anything, mm-hmm. pretty much like the TV or laptop yeah, or whatever. The random guy in the office says, "Oh, this Japanese, you know, these Japanese yeah. printers are amazing," and yeah. it's in fact him. Um, one specific character to kind of mention is: Do we do, have we liked how Simmons has changed from movie one to movie three? Has it been weird watching him transform from this really stuck-up agent to this kind of "Look at me, I'm pretty cool" sort of guy? Yeah, again, he's proved more worth than you initially the, thought. Yeah, you know, like in the first film, is kind of oh, well, you know, flashing the pan, you know, see. You know, you'll not see him again. And yeah, you were kind of expecting one for him to kind of get smushed by Megatron or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, worthwhile worthwhile addition to the human mm-hmm. aspect of it. Obviously, in the second one, we have Sam's um, roommate in college, who was just a pain in the ass. Who again disappears, but so yeah. Megan Fox, but that's nonetheless another story. Um who she does in fact just basically get swept aside in like a five word sentence but basically that she dumped Sam which in my opinion kind of is very unrealistic considering what they've been through together you wouldn't have expected her to just go oh well sorry mate you're dumped Um, might kind of be that she was put back into prison for Grand Theft Auto yeah just something stupid yeah Yeah. Um, but I I really like John Turturro as an actor Mm-hmm. He has some sort of. He has a really good charisma to him. He's he's actually in the recent. Uh, he's in Cars Two as an Italian race car for basically a Ferrari F1 car. Mm-hmm. He just has that sort of a voice to him that, as a bad guy, you want to hate him, but as a good guy, he's just kind yeah. of warm, and you're kind of like he's a pretty cool guy, you know. Because um, obviously, number one, we had him as an agent, stuck up, arrogant, etc. Number two, 
he has obviously Sector 7 has shut down and he has become a butcher at his mum's butcher uh, he's working with his mum and various other people and he's like do you want your Christmas bonus to get your teeth and all that sort of yeah. stuff and he's like it's my dream and he's like well hurry up and help her and blah 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 um, so he's still kind of bossy at this point in number two because he still thinks he's important but he's not but obviously in number two we see him transform into more of a hero and he becomes friendly with Sam and all that sort of stuff and now in number three he's basically a world renowned author of his book yeah. that is explaining basically again kind of all the secrets that were Sector 7 and that sort of thing and he's I do like your man Lennox the guy Josh Dumal or Hamill yeah him I do like his character as well I think he's been the most consistent character in all three movies for his you know just how that character is portrayed mm-hmm. yeah I don't know what it is whether it's because he's an, ar- an army guy but kind of him and I think Tyree as they're kind of the army characters yeah. very much stuck to their character whereas obviously Tortoro we saw the character change and Sam in number three specifically kind of is more freaked out because he's kind of like you know I've saved the world twice now what do you do you know I yeah, have to get a job then, yeah but then you know like once there's trouble you know it's a kind of a case of Flip I need to be yeah. involved in this yeah, yeah. you know so but yeah it's 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 good in that aspect but obviously um as we have mentioned, we have just random Transformers who have appeared out of the blue. And at one point, I got extremely excited because I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be Hot Rod or something like that. They're going to have finally brought him in because, you know, whether you liked him or not in the animation, um, he was a key part of the original animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been pretty awesome to have him appear in it because there's a Ferrari appears, which is very much what people always associate hot rod to be as a big flash red car and I was like oh it's going to be him no it was some random oh signore theme it was like crazy sort was of was there one that was like Scottish yeah that was the NASCAR guys I think what was he called them he called them the Raptures or something like that God. that was three NASCAR guys one was Scottish one was Irish and one was just a random you know Southern American sort of style hick person you're kind of what they were trying to portray as your typical NASCAR fans and they even had sunglasses like what um, and then you had a random new companion for what you call him, you know, the RC truck from number two. Yeah, you had him, and then you had a random Einstein bot appeared, who supposedly dreamt dreams up all these extra weapons for the Transformers, and it's just like, okay. Um, of course, then we obviously see Sentinel Prime appears in the movie who supposedly was meant to be Ultra Magnus, and they changed it at the last minute, which again kind of shows you you know, how shaky it was, kind of, originally. Yeah, Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus, you see, in the, like, the cartoons and stuff, mm-hmm. like, Sentinel Prime isn't as old as he is in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, Optimus is kind of, you know, in his kind of youth, in his heyday, so... I think Ultra Magnus would have been a better thing, and plus the fact that they said in the last film that Optimus was the last of the Primes. Mm. So if they said that, but yet he was up there the, the whole time, the yeah. Prime, so but again, the excuse would just be simply made, well, they thought he was dead. So yeah, but then that would have been a nice bridge from the second one and the third one. We've discovered you know the, the last, the last of the Prime 
is not with you. There is, you know, very much like... There is in, another. <laughs> yeah, very much in like Empire Strikes Back, you know, like or, you know, there is another, you know, there is another Skywalker, yeah. you know. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, though, the way, obviously, obviously we're in spoiler zone, Sentinel Prime does, in fact, turn on Optimus. Mm. Do you think it was better to use Sentinel to turn, or would it have been better to use Ultra Magnus? Was there, was there, would have there been the preference in you? <coughs> I think you would have got maybe more if you had a new Autobot who's fighting the trenches with Optimus mm-hmm. to turn. Then another one that we know from his past was like a teacher. Yeah, you know, but I think maybe Ultra Magnus would have been because. Ultra Magnus, I think, was, you know, like, and the toy was, like, the white version of Prime, you know, so if you yeah. had something who was very similar to Optimus, and then he turns, yeah. and then they're like, I can't believe this, blah, 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 blah. Fair enough. Um, obviously, we see Shockwave in this mm. as well, which you, in fact, really, really liked. Not, not for... Anything specifically in the character or anything, but just his look more than anything. I did like the actual him himself. I didn't like all his wee tentacle people. S- <laughs> yeah, I didn't like all that sneaky, worry nonsense stuff. Um, but yeah, I th- I thought they captured him pretty well. And obviously, Soundwave had a drastic makeover from the second one. You know, being up and you know. Uh, Leeching on the satellites and you know finding information, and now he's a car down, you know fighting alongside yeah, Megatron, really you know. So um. Um, another guy, Starscream, was very, very sparsely used in this. Yeah, because obviously you see Megatron, he's out in like obviously I think it's like a Sahara and yeah, Megatron Africa can change his form now. Megatron's changed into a big. Like monster truck, not a monster truck, kind of a big, kind of mean-looking truck, sort of a thing. I thought that once you did that, then that would be you. Well, sure, Bumblebee changes from the old style Camaro to the new style Camaro, so if he was able, yeah, to but do that's it, that's different. You've still got the kind of same characteristics. You know, that's like saying Optimus going from a big truck into like a mini. Yeah, you know, I definitely think like for what for if you were to go in this again, getting very picky. The dimensions of Megatron, the thing he turned into, the big truck, kind of seems like the truck is far too big to fit his dimensions yeah. as a robot, but anyway, Starscream obviously gets smooshed by Sam, basically his head gets blown off, I think that was a pretty yeah. big impact, and then another big impact that kind of really got to me, because I completely adored the character, as you'll probably figure it out in the earlier segments, is that Ironhide gets killed? So yeah, I didn't didn't understand that at all. I saw no need for it. No. Um, Again, you should have just taken one of the um, NASCAR ones and just bumped them off because again, nobody. Well, to be totally cared. honest, the Einstein guy does get shot in the head and all that sort of stuff. So we did get to see a third party thing, but I saw no point. Like, in number one, we see Jazz get killed. He's prime second in command. And then you kind of see in number two once Optimus gets killed, mm-hmm. Ironhide kind of takes command, kind of with Ratchet as his kind of number, number yeah. two. Um, so from them they've gone and then ki- you know killed Jazz in number one, and then to kill Ironhide in number three is pretty stupid call in my opinion because 
Ironhide had such a cool badass character throughout all three of the movies. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a very integral part, and then for him to not be there, kind of. But the even end. even at the end of the first one, whenever Jazz gets killed, somebody says to Optimus, "Oh, Jazz, is, you know, Jazz got destroyed." A bit like, "Oh, Jazz, you know, like we will, you know, we will always remember yeah. you." There was nothing like there was that no for Ironhide. For Ironhide, he was just kind of you left know, behind. Even at the end of it, you know, like whenever they, you know, whenever Optimus says his speech, why didn't he say, You're you know? Lost. For, for all our fallen comrades, uh-huh. you know, like something, you know, because then it was just a case of buying ending, right? Yeah, all right. that was the thing, is there was such an abrupt ending to this movie. I know it sounds that we're completely tearing this a new one. It is by nowhere indeed as bad as number two, but it is indeed Ranks nowhere near there. number one. Um, it's just some things that it would have been better done to keep certain characters on this thing, because number one, number two, we see at the end Optimus does his speeches and you know, like in number two, he went, you know, um, our past will always be remembered and stuff like that. Whereas this, Optimus is standing there with having had his arm tor- torn off and basically they're looking at each other and like Sam's happy because he's reunited with the girl and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the movie just ends and you're like, right, okay, is that it? Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like, oh dear, why? Um, And there wasn't even anything to you know, distinctly set up a possibility of obviously Michael Bay says he doesn't want to do any more Transformers movie but to leave the door open for somebody else. I know you could say, well the kind of the ending does kind of leave the door open for people because you know, the battle's over and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and but I it really does o- look like Megatron's dead and all that sort of stuff. I, I think the only thing back now. I think the only thing that you could maybe do is do a prequel Cybertron. to the first one, you know, like the Cybertron kind of wars. Because that's actually um, one thing I actually really enjoyed. Number three was um, you saw a good bit of footage from Cybertron. You didn't see any yeah. real close-up fighting, but obviously you saw it was it very much reminded me much of um, Episode three of Star Wars, the opening fight. You know, yeah, the CGI aspect to it. It looked really well, and I think it would do good as a movie. Um, whether they would have the computing part of that for an entire movie, how long it would take, but it would be good to see that because obviously, War well, War for Cybertron the game got so yeah. many good reviews. I was just going to say that's all you need to do then is kind of adapt that aspect mm. of you know you've kind of got a storyline there. Why not just adapt that yeah. to the big screen? It would make thing. perfect. Whether it happens, no, is another thing. I just need to close the window. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really would be important to mention in terms of number no. three. No, uh, Chris. Chris just tried to hijack my microphone. Um. Yeah, I think it's time to remove spoiler zoneific sort of things. So we are going to round this up. And again, Chris. Whip out the notepad, please. Uh, we also want to say as well that um, with us being generous and stuff and giving <laughs> away things, um, we will be giving out a prize soon for um, the best iTunes um, review. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you may notice that if you're in the UK, somebody who said that he didn't like the voices that we did. Um, that's fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their yeah. opinion. I listen to podcasts that I'm Joe do. They're in their 40s and they chit away at each other using different voices. I find it quite funny. Um, at the end of the day, we're not here. We're not um, on the BBC's payroll, yeah. so we're not 
we're not here to be like all stupid and seriously, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, we're but not here to discuss the fact that a soldier has died in Afghanistan and been completely monotonous or so we're here. We're doing this in our spare time to entertain not only use, but we're here talking about something or things we love. And if we happen to do a funny voice or something like that, it's because we're wanting to enjoy ourselves, we're enjoying ourselves. Trying to entertain yourselves, like there's a review on there, says that from a long week at work, they, in fact, enjoyed the, you know us entertaining by doing silly voices. Like Chris says, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but we're all just here to have fun, really. You know, It's not like we're charging you as a fiver per podcast. Exactly. You know, like, if you don't enjoy what we do, we appreciate your feedback. Why not even start up your own podcast so we can um, have a listen That's to yours? That's how we started. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, obviously this is going up then. If you're listening today, the day it's gone live, it's Sunday the 10th of July. Or if you listen before that, because sometimes it's not iTunes, there's a word. Shh, don't tell nobody. Um, then the 17th of July is my interview with Brian Stevenson from Spy Monkey Creation. Well, I actually get a week off. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes and no. Oh, no. Yes and no. Because then whenever that goes live, on that day that it goes live, we will be recording an interview with Pixel Dan. Well, not an interview as such. It's more a three-way conversation about The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, so goodness knows how long that's going to go. And then uh, Master Universe Chronicles after that, we have Happy Birthday Roboto. Uh, we were going to have the film special, but... Um, I kindly we reminded. <laughs> we'll have WrestleShock then, which will um, be dealing with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and also the Mr. Perfect, who's Kurt Hennig. Which was the plan for episode two, and we're now getting on to episode four. But I hope everybody can understand the slight delay on WrestleShock, because obviously we have so much going on with... Although if you do, you know, want your taste of wrestling, then head over to www.totalwrestlingshow.com. Every Sunday they're live. They do like um, pot, you know, like legacy podcasts. You know, they want to match a man. Uh, we'll actually be going on there soon mm-hmm, for SummerSlam well, to talk about SummerSlam. So that will be available on theirs and ours, and that will also be a very first for RetroShock. But we'll discuss that. Down the line. Obviously, you still keep an eye on popculturenetwork.com because, yes, um, Dirt doesn't do wrestling radio as often as he used to or would like to, and they're not as long as they would used to be. But again, every little helps. And if it want, if it's you're wanting a wrestling fix, just keep an eye on popculturenetwork.com's main iTunes feed where you get it figures and wrestling radio and the entertainment center and all just. That'll get you some wrestling, but if you're wanting a week in, week out wrestling show at the minute, the guys at TWS are your best source for that. Um, we also have to say congratulations to the guys at Pop Culture Network for, um, at the time of this going out, um, the day before that would have been episode 100 of that new Toy Smell. Well done, gents. Yeah, so well done to them, and kudos on reaching 100 episodes. So, obviously, this has been 100 episodes. Then, before that, it figures was 100 episodes, and I've been lucky enough to be part of both of them. And then it won't be long till our 50th episode at the rate we're going. Because <laughs> that's true, it's only like 15 more episodes mm-hmm. to go. So, by, ta- by the time of Halloween, or the run into Christmas time, we'll be getting ready to celebrate our 50th, so... Yeah, so, if you have any ideas what you'd like us to do for 50th, 
episode. You know, like, fair enough, it's a wee bit off, but if you have any ideas, head over to Pop Culture Network I ha- forums. I have a possible idea in my head, but that is for much down the line because it would require much planning. Oh, goodness. I'll have to ask what off air what it is and go like, oh no. Secrets, secrets. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so um, head over there and then you can even go into Operation Retroshock. Um, forum section and then type in there episode 50 I'd like to see <coughs> and then why you would like to see it um, so you can email us at ventoman at popculturenetwork.com or Alan Price at popculturenetwork.com that's A-L-L-A-N not your A-L-A-N's or your A-L-L-E-N's or anything like that um, if it's too much hassle for you to go to the Pop Culture Network forums because we know some people you know are a wee bit sketchy about joining a new forum or anything like that if you're on Facebook you can go on Facebook both Chris and I are on there but you, if you just search in the search bar on Facebook Operation Retroshock we have our own it's Facebook page it's just forward slash Operation Retroshock click like and then that means any status updates we post as Operation Retroshock will come up in your status bar as if it was just a person and so you will get notified if maybe an episode goes up a wee bit early we'll maybe say you know, what ideas do you have for a certain show or something like that anything and everything so that's becoming more and more popular with Facebook because this weekend obviously just passed by the time of this going up uh, we had the, obviously the Pokemon interview with Eric Stewart We've had uh, quite a bit of traffic come through that way with that, so that's, that's also, going to be the place to keep all the info coming. Or also you can follow us on Twitter at Retroshock316. It is good. We're going to try and have Twitter going a wee bit more popular than uh, it has been. We're not as big on the Twitter thing in terms of... If we could find out... We're, we're, we're not good at staying quiet, effectively. 140 characters is quite hard for us to get all our info in, but we'll try our best. If we could link our Facebook account to Twitter... It would work perfectly. That would work perfectly for us, but uh, I know it, they could do that in pop culture now, yeah. we just need to figure out how to do that. But that's basically it for our Transformers special, so... Um, join us in fortnight's time then whenever we talk about the legend of zelda and also we will be um divulging our top 20 retro games of all time i know tom williams has sent his in um if anyone else would like to send theirs in uh, there's a possibility they'll be read out um like yes we're talking to you mike we're talking to you ashley we're talking to you jamie so yes you have to get our your top 20 games into us immediately and everybody else do it as well yeah, so do that now once you finish listening to the episode and you're like, I'm bored, what I do? Now, obviously, this goes from, like, the PlayStation 2 backwards. So you go from PlayStation 2 to, like, the NES, Commodore 64, Spectrum, whatever. Um, Pixelan says that he, he doesn't actually classify the PlayStation 2 as retro, so... It is getting old, sort of thing. If it's over, yeah. if something's over 10 years old, in my opinion, then you're, you know, you're getting old effectively not as a human but as a machine because technology moves so quickly but anyway I think that's time to call it a day um, this section alone has been going for about an hour now so I'm tired I want my two weeks off time to go sip on some Mai Tais and play some Yahtzee Retroshock followers roll out bye that's when we put the <coughs> noise in <coughs> yeah bye people